0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church.
1: Now, we're all aware that certain occupations can clear a room of strangers. People are meeting you for the first time. You drop certain occupations and people go quiet. They might even see somebody they know. Uh, or You know, uh, you remember that ad that was on the television a couple of years ago? As you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I love the ads when I watch television. I, as an ex-marketing man, I really love the ads. There was an ad which showed a backyard scene somewhere in the suburbs. A- and there were lots of people. And there was a swimming pool and there was a barbecue and people were playing ball games. It was a hive of activity, maybe 20 people. And way off in the corner of the backyard, somebody asked a guy, what do you do for a living? And he said... Oh, I work at a bank. And instantly the whole backyard went into total silence. <laughs> Everybody just froze. And that was the magic of this head. I mean, how can they hear that? And the, even the dog was sort of like, ooh. <laughs> and then after, when the, the silence was just about deafening, and the guy said, oh, oh look, I work for St. George. They go, oh God, okay. it's okay then yeah, I mean, as if the, the message was clear Oh, that that's very different to regular banks You know, that's St. George, Well, wow. It was a fantastic ad Now, <laughs> you won't be surprised to know and We've shared it before That ministers can have that effect <laughs> On a group of strangers, you know And, and so I have ways of you know, trying to kind of ease into it But if I was the group of strangers Meeting for the first time What do you do, Graham? I'm a minister Whoa uh, with some people, not all With some people that's Ooh, awkward they, They're scared they're going to say something inappropriate They worry about what they've already said uh, <laughs> That's the first thing and, uh, Or they, you know, they think that uh, They've got some hang up about religion Or they think that all of a sudden The tone of the conversation, the direction of the conversation Is going to change And, and, and often they've suddenly seen somebody they know uh, Or they take another Drink or an hors d'oeuvre, whatever you know, I, I've been through it all, but here's the thing that's in a group of strangers. But, but look, here's the thing. We as ministers, we, we've got something else up our sleeve. We can actually, we can have an effect on a room of people we know. <laughs> we can have a awkward with people who are part of the organisation, people who are, who, who are part of the, the church. We can have a, a real funny impact on groups we know. And you know how we, how we manage this amazing feat? We manage it by saying, now, let's talk about money. Let's talk about offerings. How do you work out what you give? What's been some of the factors that have influenced your giving to the Lord's work over the years? We're going to be effective, if not emptying a room, certainly changing the tone of a room and making people feel a little bit awkward, a little bit, uh, a bit nervous. That's because in the main, Christians are very sensitive about money. Very sensitive about the subject of giving. It's an area that's considered to be very private, very confidential, you know, just me and the Lord. It's the topic which has probably caused more tension and conflict in church life than any other. That's kind of been my experience over the years. But when you look at it objectively, when you analyze the situation and you take the biblical record into account, you're left wondering: well, why is this? Why are we so sensitive about money? Let me give you a few stats. The Bible mentions pray or prayer 289 times. It mentions love 363 times. It mentions give or giving over 1,000 times. I mean, Jesus talked about money and the use of our resources and, and, and so on. On numerous occasions. And it was probably his fearlessness in this area that caused him to fall into conflict with a lot of the religious leaders of the time. But friends, if there's one thing I've come to realise over the years when it comes to the motivation of people to give more and to support the work of the kingdom to the best of their ability, there's one thing I've learned, it's this. Generous giving starts with generous living. Let me say that again. Generous giving starts with generous living. It's very difficult to prescribe or to legislate about money, uh, even when it comes to specific percentages, no matter how many proof texts you've got. That can still be a very, very difficult process. But if the people can be shown the benefits, the blessings that flow from a spirit of generosity that pervades the whole of life, then the subject of money and finance becomes less sensitive. Then there's an increased willingness to talk about it, and more importantly, to take action. I kind of think Paul, I kind of think Paul knew this as well, and I just suddenly realised that we haven't had the reading yet, uh, and uh, <laughs> because I've got a little note here that says Paul in the reading, this has been brought to us, and I'm just thinking right now, this is a very appropriate time. Richard Gray, who I know is ready because he, uh, he had the Bible there before, very appropriate, and I'm being very transparent. I could have just said, and now we're just going to move to Richard, who, a little change of sequence, is going to give us a reading. I'm too transparent. for that. Richard, please come and give us this reading. And having set the scene, have a listen to this, how this is going to tie in. You'll be amazed at where Paul takes the Corinthians when he talks about giving.
0: Richard. Thank you. This morning's reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 to 12. Remember that the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty. For God loves the one who gives gladly, and God is able to give you more than you need. So that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. As the scripture says, he gives generously to the needy. His kindness lasts forever. And God, who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat, will also supply you with all the seed you need. And will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times, so that many will thank God for your gifts, which they receive from us. For this is service you perform not only meets the needs of God's people, but also produces an outpouring of gratitude to God.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much, Richard. Now, you notice something about that reading. When introducing the theme of offering and giving to the church at Corinth, Paul takes them to an example, to an analogy that is about as far away from the offering bowl as you can get. He takes them, figuratively speaking, to a farm. Do you recall what he said? Look at, let's look at it again. Verse, verse 6. Remember, the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop, the one who plants many seeds. We'll have a large crop. Now, the words highlighted, and that's my interpretation of the verse, but they do serve to emphasise the principle being espoused here. In other words, the harvest, the yield, the the impact of one's life is in direct proportion to the investment one has been prepared to make in effort, in time, in the use of gifts, in the nurture, and the guidance of people in need, in spirit, in, in spiritual formation, all those things. You know, return is based on investment. And Paul is saying how ludicrous it would be for a farmer to complain about the size of his crop when he's got a barn full of unused seed. I mean, that's the extension of what he's saying here. A farmer who, for whatever reason, has chosen not to sow the seeds that have been left in the barn. The reluctance to use the seed may be born out of fear, fear of losing it through bad weather. Or the market's taking a dive. It could be selfishness that keeps the seeds in the barn. Well, hang on, I, I bought that seed. It's mine. I'm not going to go throwing that around. It could be his ability or doubts about his ability to grow the seed effectively. Uh, what if my seed is inferior to those around me? What if mine doesn't achieve the results of, of other farmers? Uh, maybe I'll just plant a limited amount and I, I'll see how it goes. Don't want to go out too far in case... It doesn't go well. Look, whatever the reason, Paul says, if you only plant a few seeds, you, you're assured of a small crop. But if you take a risk, if you get those bags of seed out of, the, out of the privacy, out of the security, out of the safety of the barn and spread them widely, you'll have a large crop, all things being equal. It's the law of the land. And friends, it's the law of life. The teaching... You know, this teaching rather takes us beyond what we give in, 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 in money terms to the work of Christ. It, it takes us to an attitude. It, it takes us to a way of life. And friends, this is the way of the disciple. This is the thing that can distinguish a follower of Jesus Christ more than any other. This, this area we're talking about this morning, I, I call it generous living. Generous living. And one of the reasons I love the Church of Jesus Christ because, in my experience, in a lifetime of ministry, the church of Jesus is full of people who know the secret of generous living. I'm not suggesting everybody knows it, but there's a huge representation in the ranks of the body of Christ of people who've discovered this secret. This church is full of such people. Many of you are listening to me right now. See if you recognize yourself in this simple list of characteristics. Firstly, Generous living is open-hearted. Generous living is open-hearted. By open-hearted, I mean these people have a heightened sense of awareness of the needs of others and they're able to empathise with people who are struggling. Sometimes that empathy arises out of their own struggles, enabling them to identify strongly with those who are doing it tough And at the deepest level, this compassion, this understanding is born out of a deep sense of gratitude to God for what they've experienced through Jesus. The love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness. Two notable examples of giving arising out of this sort of mindset would be the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume recorded in Luke 7 and the widow who dropped two coins Into the offering box in the temple, recorded in Luke 21. Now, friends, in both incidents, Jesus uses the opportunity to highlight the open heartedness of the women involved. And he does this in a very powerful way by contrasting their actions with the actions of others who are involved in the scene, others who are the antithesis of open hearted. Of open heartedness. In other words, the exact opposite of open so let me let me remind you the two scenes. The the woman who anoints his feet with perfume, he's in the home of Simon the Pharisee, remember? And uh, this woman who's a known prostitute, and she starts to anoint Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, starts to dry his feet with her hair. It's an amazing, almost embarrassing scene. And Simon the the host looks across and says (laughs) if this man was really the Messiah he would know exactly who that woman is and he would have nothing to do with her so he's looking at the surface no heart concern about who she is no heart concern about what might have contributed to her lifestyle the kind of background she has come from just looking at what's presenting and more interested in his own standing before God open-heartedness versus closed-heartedness and Jesus picks up on it and has that interesting discussion with Simon says Simon I've been here for quite a while man and you've done nothing to show any kind of allegiance or love to me and this woman hasn't stopped showing how much she appreciates my forgiveness and my mercy man look beyond the surface look at the heart have a closer look. And what about the scene with, in Luke 21 with the widow who throw, puts in the two little copper coins? And the Bible says it's about a cent's worth. Remember the scene? The rich people are... In fact, the Bible says Jesus was in the temple watching people bring their offerings. You talk about privacy and giving. We could expand on that. Jesus watches those who give. He's probably the kind of character who would probably wander around while we're taking up the offering. Like, that's possible, you know. Interesting. Are you is that it? You serious? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, and he'd probably start in the front row. Don't get me wrong, you know. Um, so Jesus is watching people. And of course, in those days, the rich would make quite a thing of their offering. Come up to the offering box. Rattle off the notes, you know, a bit like you know in the elections when you know the, the candidate who's being who's up for election, they had the big the big Photoshop, the big, the big photo opportunity, you know, come in with the voting slip, yeah, everybody got an eye, okay, right, got your pictures, right, bing in there. The offering was the fact with the Pharisees and some of the, the aristocracy in those days, with all the hypocrisy that Jesus had to address. That, that's a bit like how the offering was, you know. And then of course this lady comes up. And in the midst of that sort of scene with great embarrassment and trying to keep as low key as she can, she comes up and she drops two little coins in. And what does Jesus say? He says, okay, bingo. There's the person who's just given the most today. And I was like, what? Hey, Lord, are you kidding? You see some of the checks that were written here, man. Some of these guys put in hundreds. Wow, big day. He said, nah, you've just seen the biggest offering here. And to quote Jesus, he says, you see, they, they, they offered gifts from what they had to spare. But she, poor as she is, she gave all she had to live on. It's hard to, to fathom that level of generosity. She would have known that a percentage of that money in the temple treasury went to the poor. The Jewish faith had a very high level of, of sense of responsibility to the poor. She would have known that. So she, poor as she is, out of compassion for the poor, people she thought were even poorer than her, she gave all she had to live on. Both incidents involve what can only be described as extravagant love. And that's what open-hearted people are renowned for. Crazy giving. Wow. You can't afford that. I want to do it. I want to do it out of my love for God. Here's the second characteristic, how you doing so far. Generous living is open-minded. Now, friends, I'm using the term open-minded to to, to denote initiative, creativity, risk-taking when it comes to the use of money, time, and gifts. In other words, open to possibilities, open-minded, possibility. Do you remember how scathing Jesus was in his rebuke of servant number three? In the parable of the talents, you know that? Jesus is absolutely, he, he absolutely carves into this servant number three because he's the one who took what was given to him and he buried it because he wanted it to be safe and secure and hand it back to the master exactly as he'd been given it. While the other servants, they took a risk. They used their initiative. They had open minds about the possibilities and they were rewarded accordingly. Now, here's the disturbing thing about this story. The third servant does what most of us would regard would be the right thing. Somebody else's money. I mean, gosh, don't want, want to blow it. They want to have it here nice and safe and secure for when they come back. Most of us would think, well, that, that's the responsible thing to do. Playing it safe, ensuring he's able to give back what was given. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That, that's not generous living. That's not generous living as I intended to be. I, I mean, you to take risks. I mean, you to break through the fear barrier. Like, if I give at that level, how, how's that going to work? Many of you have been through that fear barrier. Those of you who are part of our our two capital programs, you know what this is all about, because uh, you were you were there. We had to prayerfully and carefully pray about some pretty serious giving over a three year period. And for many of you, I know you you, you took a pathway uh, as Bev and I did, which was which really hurt. it, it, it really cost something. But I am yet to meet the person who regrets one cent of what was given to make all this possible. Here's the third characteristic, and it's the only one we've got time for today. Generous living is open-handed. It's practical. It's not theoretical. These people don't talk about what needs to happen. They just, as the Nike ad says, they just do it. They don't compare their actions or their inaction with others. They respond on the basis of what clearly is needed and just get involved. The Good Samaritan, Luke 10. The extraordinary lengths that that man goes to to care for the person who's left bruised and bleeding by the side of the road. It's just breathtaking. Takes him to the inn, gives them money. This should cover it. By the way, here's my card. Give me a call. If if this doesn't cover it, I'll come back and fix it. It's extraordinary. And and that moment, that incident is known universally by many other faiths apart from Christianity. Universally known as... Pretty much the epitome of selflessness and self sacrifice. Well, friends, we're out of time, but you know, what does all this mean when it comes to our weekly offering? What does all this mean? Let's pull this together. It means that we're not giving on the basis of formula or a rule, not even on the basis of an example. When it's all said and done, we're giving hopefully as a natural expression of a decision not just to give generously. In terms of offering, but more importantly, to live generously. That's it. So, when it comes to our offering, what will that look like? Well, Paul snaps it, he gets a snapshot of it here in verse 7. Richard read it earlier. Look at this. Each one should give then as they have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. You see, friends, it's not about the amount. If you, could, you could be giving pretty heavily compared to others, really heavily. But if it's, mm, God, you, know, you know, looking at the statement, whoa, did I commit that? Well, even if you've come close to a conversation along these lines, you know, we'd be a lot better off if we hadn't gone in so deep with our capital program. And we'd probably be doing a lot better if we hadn't gone in so deep in a moment of weakness on this offering. Even if you've come close to that sort of thinking, the Bible, not me, the Bible says, you know, God, psh, He looks at the motivation and it's not all that pleasing. Nowhere near as pleasing to the person who's giving gladly, generously, but also gladly. And here's the thing. The one who gives their offering gladly is according to the principle being espoused here, almost certainly they're giving gladly in all areas of their life. They're giving in their relationships. They're giving in their workplace. They're giving in their support of people in need. They're giving in terms of their time, in terms of their use of gifts and abilities. They're they're living generously. That's what they doing. They're open-hearted, open-minded, open-handed. That's it. Well, this is what they're doing theologically. They're proving every day. These generous living people are proving every day, despite the disappointments, despite the setbacks, despite the times when you know you're being taken advantage of, and there are times, despite all of that, you're proving the words of Jesus when he said, When you give, when you give, you will truly live. When you give, you will truly live. How does he put it? Those who save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life, for my sake, those three words, crucial. Those who lose their life, for my sake, they will find it. They'll discover it. They'll discover what real living is all about. Giving generously arises out of living generously. Sowing lavishly. Reaping lavishly. Wow. What a way to go. Let's bow in prayer.